Hey, 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 it's Q&A day, which means if you have Q's, I have A's. Basically, it's a question and answer day where we take all of the things that you're stuck on, the things that you just can't move past, and we give you clarity. And my favorite part of today is that a lot of people are going to benefit from the questions that were sent in, mostly by our All Access Pass holders and a few from our website, you know, weekend participants. If you want to check out either of those programs, go over to our website and do that, travelmarketingandmedia.com. But for today, we have some great questions and I can't wait to dive in. Hey there, I'm Sandra McLemore, and I have trekked both the globe and the travel industry for over 25 years. From my first steps as a travel agent to my exciting career as a travel TV host and contributor on network news and morning shows. And now coaching over 42,000 travel entrepreneurs. Guys, I've seen the highs and the lows of what it means to market and sell travel. Whether you're taking your very first steps in the industry or scaling up to reach amazing new goals, perhaps feeling a little bit adrift and looking for a compass, you, my friend, are in the right place. In each episode, we're going to learn from stories that inspire, strategies that work, and conversations that dive deep into the heart of starting up and scaling a travel business. Fasten your seatbelts, stow away your doubts, and prepare for takeoff. This is your boarding pass to the Travel, Marketing, and Media Podcast. Our first question is from Kim York, Journey to Discover Travel. And her question is about planning fees. So she says, I am using the process that Sandra recommends by starting with a quick hello, sending the contract, and then moving forward with a full planning fee. I am new to charging fees as part of this process. Previously, when I did not charge fees, I was coached to do a strong follow-up after providing a quote every few days until the client told me no or until they took out a restraining order. I've had a few people say they have to think about whether they want to pay my fee during the quick hello call and wanted to review my contract. I sent them the contract onboarding a new client packet and a link to pay the fee. Uh, Do I follow up if they haven't taken the next step? And if so, how often? Do they get put into an email marketing campaign that reminds them of my value and further details, the services I provide? And if so, what is the suggested timeline to move them into that funnel? It's hard to shift from a mindset of chasing business to letting it come to you. But it's also hard to fight my training to want to stay, want to follow up and stay top of mind. Okay, so Kim, never at any stage did we say not to follow up and not to chase business. And we're absolutely, in our community, we don't talk about uh, waiting for business to come to us. Just because we talk about um, a workflow or a process of do this, then do this, then do this, doesn't mean that there's no, um, you know, if you don't hear back that you check in with them. Follow-up is the biggest part of closing a sale. It's the biggest part of getting a sale. And it is also the bit that the majority of salespeople fail at. So let's go back a little bit because I noticed in here that there was an order of things that might be why you're having trouble. Um, you basically said um, that you do the quick hello call um, and then, hold on, let me see. Didn't you have that to do some follow-up? Okay. Um, so you said you start with a quick hello, then you send the contract and then you move forward with the planning meeting. So I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't, I would not focus on the contract because there seems to be contact, uh, 
a conversation about a contract and usually there's not any conversation about a contract. So the quick hello would go like this. It would be like, um, hi, I'm Monica. Thanks so much for jumping on a call. I'm glad that we both have the opportunity to talk. Um, it, just to hear what you would like to do and for me to be able to explain how what it's like to work with us um, so that you can move forward if you would like to. Um, so go ahead and tell me what ideas do you have or what do you have in mind or what have you been looking at or thinking about the, this next so then you're talking about this next vacation right and um they'll let them talk they'll talk and talk and talk and talk and talk you're not going to ask any more questions you're not unless you need clarification but you're not going to offer any advice you're not going to suggest anything at the end you'll say to them fantastic that sounds amazing and it is exactly the kind of travel that we plan and you are exactly the type of client that we usually work with or that's not the type of travel that we book however I can refer you to whatever um, travel advisor or place where they can find a travel advisor then if you say that's exactly the type of travel that we book I'd love to share with you how what it looks like to work with us so step one is that we would have a planning meeting. So inside of our planning meeting, um, it's a 60 to 90 minute meeting. And the more that we work together, the more trips that we do together, the faster that meeting becomes. And eventually it almost turns into a quick five to 10 minute phone call. The first one is always the longest because it's me getting to know your travel style, your personal travel style, the foods you like, the hotels that you like, the things that you love when you travel, the things you hate, the best vacation you had, the worst vacation you have. Uh, any dietary needs, specific requirements, just the the way that you travel, what you're like, what what your day would be like if you were in a city like Paris, because what your day would look like and what someone else's day would look like are very different. Do you get up at 6am and go for a brisk walk and then get in breakfast and have nine activities? Or do you kind of wake up slow and, you know, take in a quiet breakfast and do one morning activity, then stop for lunch, then do an afternoon activity, and then it's dinner time. Everybody has a different travel style. So in that planning meeting, we're going to figure, uh, I'm going to learn what your travel style is. And specifically for this trip, we're going to go through exactly what you want. We're going to talk about your budget for the trip. We're going to talk about what you want, what you don't want. And I'll have most likely a couple of questions to ask you to clarify. After that, I will go away and work with my within my travel network with our um, travel partners and um, put together a an itinerary for you. And the itinerary will be based on your, it'll be customized to your personal travel style. So it's not an itinerary that we just pull off the shelf and send you, it is created specifically for you. Uh, it'll have a full pricing inside of your budget and I will send that over to you with a video explaining how it all works. I may at times also include a second option for accommodation. If I see something that's maybe just a little outside of your budget, but it offers more value, um, I'll do that because sometimes that happens. You know, uh, the second option might be a, um, a little above what you were going, what you wanted to spend, but it includes breakfast and it includes um, drinks in the evening or, and it's close walking distance. So you won't have to be Ubering backwards and forwards. So where it might cost a little more there, it might have such great value that it saves in other places, or it might just save you time because of where it's located. So I would send you the itinerary 
and the full costing. And at that stage, you would uh, lock it in. Or if you have any minor edits or requests, we can adjust those. Once it's locked in, essentially you saying, yes, let's do this. I'll start making the formal arrangements and bookings and let you know what needs to be paid when. As it comes closer, I'll help you with any questions that you have. And then, of course, um, prepare all of your documentation for you to get ready to leave. I load it into an app so that you have it all in one place. If you've ever had that feeling of looking for your flight details, then looking for your accommodation, that doesn't happen. That's one of the benefits of using a professional travel advisor like me. You just get professional services back. So you will get an app, plus you'll get a PDF if you want to take that or print it. And you will just have everything in one place, whether it's an airport transfer, a tour, a restaurant reservation, a hotel or a flight. Um, Before you leave, we'll also talk about travel insurance to figure out if you need that and what you need. And all of those services, the research, the verification, the reviews, the calling to the partners, I call the hotel, I call the tour operator. If I have questions, I reach out to my contacts at whatever hotel you, um, you were interested in. And all of that research work, verification work, planning work, checking of availability, uh, calculating, making sure that we stay inside your budget, uh, all of that work, we charge one single planning fee. And that's for your whole house. That's not for everybody, uh, each individual person. So you're not going to pay per person. And it is only $247. So $247 is all that it costs to take the entire responsibility and work of planning this trip off your plate and onto mine. So at the most, all you have to do is answer questions and then approve an itinerary or request any small changes. And I then take over all of the work. On average, the average vacation takes around 40 hours to prepare. That's like a full week of full-time work. Um, So it's definitely great value being able to get that for $247 and you don't pay any more after that. So it's just the one planning fee. If you travel on that itinerary and everything um, and there's no changes, there's no cancellations, it's just that one planning fee. So does that sound like something that you are interested in? Would you like to be able to hand over everything but still be able to make all the decisions and not have to do the work? Great. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to send through a written um, a written version of everything that I just told you. There'll be um, an I'll attach an invoice to that as well for the planning fee, and um, I'll send all of that through. If you can sign that and get that back to me by tomorrow, that will allow you then to get the link to be able to schedule your planning meeting. We want to schedule your planning meeting as quickly as we can. Flight prices are always going up and I want you to be able to lock in those flight prices, whether you book them or I book them, um, so that we can get that bit under control and then start working with all the other elements of your trip. So I'll send that over to you now. And if I don't hear back from you, but if I don't receive it back by tomorrow, I'll give you a quick call or shoot you a text message. All right. Thanks so much for, thanks so much for the time today. And I'm really excited. I'm glad to hear that you have this incredible vacation thought out. I'm very excited to work on it. I have some incredible ideas. Uh, destinations, experiences. Um, I've booked clients here before. I've been here myself. So I'm really looking forward to working with you on this. Okay. Bye for now. So that is like a whole role play on one side of what it would be like to do that quick hello. I did not mention anything about a contract or a work agreement. And here's why. 
every time you make a payment for anything, it could be your groceries online, it could be an attorney retainer, you'll always sign something. So I think by bringing it up in conversation, you're making it a conversation point and a sticking point. So they will expect to pay $247 or whatever your planning fee is and have to sign something. It's up to them whether or not they read it or not or how much they take in or if they come back with any questions. But if you say, I'm going to send you a contract, that feels like I'm closing escrow on a house. If you say, I'm going to send you a contract, if you have any questions about that contract, let me know. That makes me think, oh, is it complex? So I would do that quick hello call exactly like I just showed you and un get rid of the contract language. If it's called a contract in any of your marketing, your website or on the actual thing, I would take that out. I would just make it either a terms and conditions or the title working with us. I think that's a really non-confronting way to have a contract. It doesn't change what's in the contract. Um, I would just call it working with us as the heading. And so uh, the follow-up is critical. I definitely would follow up. I would be following up by text. I would be following up by phone. I would tell them that they're going to follow up because when someone tells me if I don't hear from you by tomorrow, I'll give you a call or shoot you a text to give you a friendly reminder. I think to myself, that's two more things that I don't have time to have tomorrow. So I'm just going to do it now. So I hope that that helps you um, figure that out. I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy the fact that you asked that question there. Um, you don't need to do a mindset shift at all in the terms of what you're talking about. What you need to do is to have the confidence about explaining out your fee and listen to the way that I did that. Like all of this stuff, it takes about a week to put together and I at 40 hours. So it's really good value to be getting that for 247. Um, and then explaining. I don't just book things. I research things. I call partners. It's another word for suppliers. If I have questions, I revise reviews. I um, reach out to colleagues, other uh, travel advisors to compare experiences of their clients. I really put in a lot of groundwork that you just don't have to do. Literally, the only thing you have to do is answer my questions and respond to my email. <laughs> So I hope that that helps you um, to have a different um, a different way of looking at it. I think that you're going to find it a lot easier when you take the contract out of the question. Nobody is going to be shocked to have to sign something when they make a payment. I ordered groceries online yesterday. It was $50 and I had to sign something. I have no idea what I signed because honestly, I don't care for my groceries. I can't move forward without signing it. And I really needed those groceries. So I signed it. I downloaded... Um, uh, a track from Apple Music the other day for $1.99, $1.99, and I had to sign something or basically agree to something. So yeah, I hope that that helps you today. I think everyone's going to love this question, by the way. Next question is from Danielle, and Danielle's from Catching the Sun, and her question is about events. She says, Sandra, I'm focused on food, wine, and whiskey lovers as my ideal client. Girl, we know you. We know that's what you do, but hey, not everybody does, so I make sure to read that out. She says, I've tried this year with local wine shops, but I wasn't able to get anyone to commit to me. I'm still going to stay in contact with them by going to their events and wine tastings. I wanted to see what you thought about me using that as a way to do something to gain a better relationship with some of the shops and clientele. Weekly attending a wine tasting to show my support, but also focusing on being more social with the clientele. And if it comes up what I do, then I can share. What do you think? 
So when you say that you haven't been able to get anyone to commit to you, my first question is going to be to anyone who feels that way, that they're going out and talking to um, businesses or brands and wanting to partner with them. What does commitment look like to you? So are you Danielle or anyone in this similar situation trying to get them to commit to doing a group trip? Because if that's the first level of commitment, that level of commitment is akin to asking someone to move in with you or get engaged with you when you haven't really been dating that long. So you really want the relationship to build authentically and organically. And what I mean by that is some of the relationships that we have, we had for a year or longer before anything actually happened. And I know that that's not what everybody wants to hear, but I have to tell you that very rarely has a relationship materialized out of being strangers and meeting and just having common interests. Some Many times it's taken a year. And I'll give you a good example of that. My relationship with Asta. Asta is an organization and association that have the same ideal client that I do. Now, my relationship with Asta involved me giving a lot before I got anything back. And I have to tell you that I actually didn't financially benefit in my business from my relationship with Asta until over one year of giving. I would show up for their events. I would show up for their conferences. I would show up for virtual events. I would give my time. I would give my training. I would show up to meetings, internal meetings with them to help, um, to help just to support, like what you're saying, Danielle, just to show support and to be, you know, have my face there. And if people asked what I did, then I would let them know, like if travel advisors or host agencies or anyone would ask, I would let them know. But nothing fell into my bank account until after a year. Fast forward three years and only now am I planning a high revenue event for my business that will come, I guess, as a direct result of my partnership with them. And that's not even going to happen until 2023. And my relationship started with them in 2019. So I'm definitely not saying that it takes every relationship three or four years or even two years or even a year. But none of my relationships that have revenue come from them have happened, have had that revenue generating portion happen or activate until about a year of being close to them. So you have to ask yourself, what what do I want to happen while I'm waiting for that perfect moment of a trip to be on the cards with them? And I think one of the things is about going back to the motivation that they would have for doing a trip with you. So if you want to do a whiskey trip or a wine trip through Europe or a river cruise or something like that, what is it that they would want out of that? Do they want a revenue share? Do they want an opportunity to spend time face-to-face with their people? Do they want just the joy of travel? Do they want, what is it that they want? Do they want to do photo shoots or launch a new product on a trip? So not knowing the motivation of someone, of a partner, is often one of the reasons why nothing happens. So ask yourself, Danielle, what is it that these uh, organizations or brands that I have created a relationship with what did they want? Because when we ask ourselves, what do our, what does our partner want? And this is like business, marriage, friendship, anything. When we focus on what they want, 
it often shines a light on how we can pair what we want and what they want. And I think that if you have clarity around that, it's going to help you a lot. If you know that they want just to experience the joy of travel, then you can have conversations with them around that. If you know that they want to create community out of their clients or their customers, then you can have conversation about just that. If you know that they could deal do with some extra revenue, you can set that up. You can make that happen. You can say, you know what, this would be the cost of the cost price of the trip. If you want to add on X amount of dollars and then pro- throw in extra value. So maybe it is that you do a river cruise for $1,500 or $2,000. They might add on an additional $500 per person and they might add on some um, tasting classes or something of extra benefit. It might be a couple of bottles. It could be um, anything. Then, then at least you know that that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with them wanting revenue as being the primary motivator. I don't recommend that you commission, share, or do anything like that, but there's always ways to create, generate revenue for your partner and you at the same time. So I hope that that helps. I definitely am a big, um, a big advocate of genuine, authentic, and long-term relationships, because listen, some of the partnerships and relationships that I've had have been incredibly successful from a revenue perspective for me, but none of them happened quickly. I'll definitely share that with you. And then our last question for the day is from Sue Ball from Sphera Travel. And Sue's question is about lead magnet creation and promotion. Sue says, hi, Sandra. We look forward to your monthly magazine each month and are considering a magazine to use as our lead magnet and monthly email to our subscribers. How long does it take you to create your magazine each month? How many people do you have working on it? We're trying to determine if this is feasible to add to our workflow. Thank you. This is the second question that I've had about lead magnets this year. I actually got an email on our website uh, through on our inbox from our website about it. And then now you. Now, the first email that I got was asking me about using magazines as a marketing tool. And my answer is that we have not seen any evidence that creating magazines for destinations or creating magazines, um, promoting destinations is a good way to A, grow your email list or B, actually get sales for travel. However, what we have seen is incredibly strong numbers, actual metrics that will show you we did this and we got this because y'all know that that's all I'm ever interested in. I don't like to hear that something's popular, that it's a trend. All I want to know is, did it get you email subscribers? Did it help you to close sales? And can you prove it? Can you measure it? It's not because I want the proof. It's because I only ever want you as your business coach working on things that will prove to be successful. Now, of course, you have to try new things all the time. We do. And a bunch of stuff fails. So so much stuff that you guys don't even see behind the scenes flops and fails. And we just know not to do that again. Things that work, we make sure that we can truly measure, does this actually work? So when it comes to magazines, I do think that there is a lot to be said for using magazines as a lead magnet. Now, I wouldn't want to see you creating tons of magazines and using them as lead magnets because you're just going to become into, you're going to turn into a designer, into a magazine creator. You don't have time for that. But 
if you were to create a magazine that was a lead magnet and uh, travel advisors in our community have done this and had measurable success in it, success they can measure in it. So for example, we created a magazine that was for the Danube for cruising on the Danube River. Actually, maybe it was the Rhine. No, it was the Danube. And then we shared that magazine. We did the images, all the copywriting, everything. We shared it with a group of travel advisors that cruised with us on a river cruise in Europe. And we gave it to them as part of the program that they signed up for. Actually, it was a bonus. They didn't know they were going to get it. We did it when we got home. When we gave that to them, we saw a number of them use it as a lead magnet to grow their email list. So that magazine took us about three weeks to put together. And I want to say three weeks of working on it every single day, not the whole day, but working on it several hours every day. And it took us that long because it had, I think it was like 20 or 30 pages. It had maybe about 10 to 15 articles. It had images. It had all like laid out beautifully. It took a really long time. It took three weeks for our team to put it together. And probably I want to say two writers, myself and a designer worked on it. So four people. And then we had everybody on the team just look over it and give feedback before we made changes. So that kind of a magazine is perfect for somebody or you can create something like that. And it's perfect for you if it's in direct alignment with what you want to sell. And like, say, for example, you book luxury travel and you make a magazine about Italy. Know that that's not as powerful as making a magazine about destination wedding planning or river cruising, which is your actual niche. A single destination on its own, you're going to have to really promote that, um, get put money behind it, get an audience behind it, and then be able to track it to know that it makes money for you. So magazines in general, yes, we do agree with magazines when they're used as lead magnets to grow your email list. We agree with them because it's pulling in your audience with bait. And I don't say bait as in like bait and switch. I mean, I think fishing with exactly what they want with the content. It's a magnet. You're magnetizing them in with exactly the type of content that is aligned with what you want to sell. So by putting out a Danube River magazine, then yeah, of course that's a great idea and using it as a lead magnet because your primary goal is to get email subscribers. You're using relevant, high quality content that is directly aligned with what you want to sell. And it's then got to be followed up with nurturing your email list, sending out weekly content. Where we aren't really on the same page as some travel advisors is using magazines as marketing material. So posting a link to a magazine or um, distributing a magazine through friends and family or whatever in terms of marketing. And it's not that we think that it's wrong. We haven't seen the numbers to back it up. And for us, having a beautiful magazine is not enough. For us, sending it out and people really loving it is not enough. For us, having a magazine that's super popular and getting great feedback, that's not enough. You got to get email subscribers or sales, and that would make it worth it. Our magazine that we do for our membership, we work on that periodically throughout the month for the following month. I would say that it takes us around 40, 40 hours to put together a single magazine. Now, in the beginning, the team used to con collectively write articles more so now what you'll find is me writing all the articles myself because as your coach it's like one of the ways that I can use my voice to help you 
Um, but then it takes two people to lay out the magazine, add the images, upload it to our website, answer questions about the magazine. I think that's one bit that people don't realize behind the scenes. We get maybe anywhere from 10 to 100 emails a day and we're only three people full-time. That's it, three people full-time. So imagine it takes all of us just to answer the emails and that's not including the work that we do. So plan knowing all of that. Um, Make sure that you have a goal for your magazine if you're going to do it. Make sure that you can measure like whether or not something's successful or not and make sure that you have the time, the energy and the money to follow up this strategy. So I hope that that makes sense and I hope that that clarifies for the people who have been asking me about magazines lately. Okay, next is, oh, and also just to clarify one quick thing. Yes, we use a magazine, but as you mentioned in your question, um, Sue, the magazine that we use is a training tool and a coaching tool, not a marketing tool. So just wanted to clarify the difference there. If this podcast episode resonated with you and you'd like to hear more, head over to Travel Marketing and Media dot com slash podcast to get notified about new episodes and also listen to any that you may have missed. And if you'd like to ask a question about this episode, you can send it there for me to answer on a live Q&A. We'll see you in the next episode.